0: Hello and welcome. I'm your co-host, Tom, and with me, the man who is never a selfish lover, Arthur Romeo. Oh, yeah. On this week's episode, Arthur gives us his highlights from the 2021 E3 Gaming Expo, and I'm excited to learn more about something I know very little about. Marvel Comics establishes new canon on what happened to Luke Skywalker's hand at the end of Empire Strikes Back. What? Yep, Rick and Morty returns on Sunday with the premiere of Season 5, and Art and Tom discuss their thoughts on the direction of the series. DC decides that, much like Meatloaf, Batman will do anything for love. But he won't do that. (laughs) And of course, we are going to break down episode two of Marvel's Loki and spoil the shit out of it for that matter. So join us on. (laughs) 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 With special guest Ronnie James Dio, I guess.
1: Dio, baby, Dio, it's the D. Dio, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Dio? Oh, man,
0: that was was really, really something there at the end. You've been going a, a little ham on that stuff, a little 80s flavor to that.
1: Oh man, you you know I'm blackjack black bro. Every time I go to karaoke, <laughs> man, that's don't what make me I do. Post the video. I do Tenacious
0: D. For those who are listening, you can go to my Instagram and you can see video of Mr. Arthur Romeo singing Tenacious D songs, and it's every bit as fantastic as it is in your mind right now. I promise you. I promise you. It's that good.
1: It's about the D. Yeah. I'll
0: post the whole damn video on YouTube one of these days. But I got some good snippets on Instagram. How have you been, mm-hmm. sir?
1: I'm good, man. I just um chomping at the bit, of getting some yeah, gaining some more followers. Uh, you know, due to our illustrious podcast, it's raising our profiles. Ooh. Tom, wouldn't you know it?
0: <laughs> I know. I think. Uh, you know, from from shit to shit and a half. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah, self-deprecating, <basically. laughs> but hey, we're doing this for fun. We're doing it because I'm doing it because I love it, mm-hmm. and I love talking to you. And I love you. Oh shit. And I love you. Gosh, we had fun last week. We had a good time last week.
1: Oh heck yeah, man! We were waiting so long for Loki to come out, and we're just. So happy.
0: So so happy. And man, you know, we really tend to be pretty prescient on some stuff. You know, I was talking about the, the 80s flavor that you gave the uh intro. And Bonnie Tyler is having her day in the sun. I know, they're playing her song everywhere. Everywhere. Masters of the Universe. I need a hero. Da, da, da. hero. Guardians of the Galaxy used that for their uh, video game release trailer, which looks amazing. And then, of course, Loki Episode 2 featured that song. So good, good to Bonnie Tyler for getting some of that sweet, sweet money.
1: Going back to that game, and I'll cover more of that in the video game talk that we have. But it's just like, uh, it's it's kind of weird that you can only play with Star Lord
0: in that game. That's really weird. But uh, continue. Well, shoot, let's get right into it then. Tell me, tell me what you learned uh, from E3 because I I saw that too, and I wasn't super happy that you only get to play as Star Lord. I mean, I get that the game has a narrative and you follow the character, but I I just just in general, I just want to be Rocket Raccoon, like pretty much all the time. So if you give me a Guardians yeah, video right? game and I can't be Rocket. What's the point?
1: Yeah, um, so we're talking about E3. Oh, uh, you gotta put in the the echo voice on this.
0: We're talking E three, 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 three <laughs> You did the echo. Now I'm not gonna add it.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> now I'm just gonna let that stand. How you like that? <laughs> I guess that makes sense. <laughs> what you were saying, E three. Oh well, yeah. Um I mean we're coming out of a pandemic. So it's it's like we have the E3 that's like limping um to show us some stuff like hey we're here we made it
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> and that's kind of the general general feeling of E3 I mean we're we're coming out of a pandemic where so many games um like like stopped production or got slowed down in production um then like like some studios had to close. And um, then we have, like, this whole debacle with these, like, assholes with their bots buying up all the consoles at a a time where people really needed the escapism. Yeah,
0: and the video cards, too, for the PC gamers. Oh, yeah. Can't nobody play.
1: Which we covered in Episode (laughs) 6. Yeah, I think it's Episode Mm 6. You guys can uh, 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 check out that if you want. Yeah, just go
0: listen to all of them until you find it. (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) or
1: maybe you should that's right (laughs) so you were saying like people are having Uh, a hard time getting
0: their hands on the systems and so of course some of the enthusiasm about the games that are going to require these systems has been a little tepid
1: i don't know it's tepid i think just people are pissed off because they want to play these games yeah fair. this is the pros and cons for all the, the systems at this point so Xbox, I've never been a really big fan of Xbox, but like they have this thing called the Game Pass, which kind of makes them like a Netflix of video gaming. And so like that is supremely the big draw for them. I can see that. Sony Sony has what they've always had. They've always been the the leading in like, you know, progressive generation of uh, like progressive engagement with like the technology as far as like having the most powerful system. And having the best triple A games that come out, you know, and it's the same things happening right now. Like that's like I, I love Sony for that. Like they they are always focused on making new stuff for the gamers. Like young, well, I won't say young. I'll say I'll say like the OG gamers. Okay, because <laughs> like they they I think they make stuff for young people. But when you when you think about stuff for young people, it's geared towards Nintendo. So Nintendo is easily always disappointing me because, like, they barely make any games. They keep their technology rooted in 10 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and um, they come out with stuff and expect people to be happy about it. Look, we made this game using technology from 10 years ago. Aren't you happy? It's like, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Like, do something new with Mario. Yeah. I was expecting the Metroid Prime game. They, they're still saying they're, it's going to come out. Metroid I don't know if you know what Metroid is, but
0: Oh yeah, I'm familiar with Samus and, and Metroid and all of that. Oh yeah.
1: Well, there was a there was, like back in like I feel like it was the prime era for Nintendo, the like the early 2000s of the GameCube, mm-hmm. they they made Metroid Prime and that's when they took they took Metroid from the 2D realm to three D FPS realm. And it was such an amazing game. Mm-hmm. You know, they they made another one back then, but we've been waiting for a new next-gen version, and, you know, they wound up giving us another 2D one, which I'm sure is going to make a lot of people happy, but it's just like, I mean, I can't be that happy when they're not using the latest technology to make these games.
0: Yeah, you're using the most advanced hardware to make a retro video game.
1: Yeah, I and mean, when you're looking, you're looking at Ratchet & Clank um, that just came out, it's like one of the beautiful, most beautiful games. You've ever seen? It looks exactly like a Pixar movie. It's so and it's so seamless the way it moves. It's like it's just incredible. It's incredible, and it's just like why can't the Nintendo games look like this? You know, because they're doing things on the cheap. You know, yeah. they 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 like that their little niche that they have, but the the rest of the game our community doesn't. They they barely have any third party support. So, I mean, I digress. I mean, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of uh, cool games coming out, but uh, a lot of them were just, like, not in-game. It was just, like, cinema trailers, especially from Xbox. But, um, you know, overall, um, I'm always happy with Sony. Yeah, yeah. am. <laughs> like, they, they, they have a lot of good stuff coming. Like, when it comes to high production, Kenna is about to come out, like, I think in August. That looks amazing. And Ratchet & Clank is out now. And, I you know, talked about Returnal mm-hmm, in this game. Mm-hmm. I, I finally beat it. Nice. Like, that game makes you feel like a badass when you beat that game because like you are you cannot save at all in that game. You can't save. Yeah. You know, you know, so um geez. Yeah. All altogether, it's a good effort for E three coming out of a pandemic. But things should be a lot better next E three. Um right that's on. that's it for the game games report.
0: Yeah, I mean look, everybody's still licking their wounds right now, and I think it would be easy for me to ascribe some of that to like Nintendo's failings. But I always felt growing up like Nintendo's niche was story and was gameplay not necessarily graphics. I mean that's why the Game Boy did as well as it did for decades was because didn't matter if the graphics were somewhat mediocre, if the gameplay was really well thought out and well produced. And so I hope that Nintendo makes some good stuff because Rachel's got a Nintendo switch and she really enjoys it, but it's, it's cutesy. It's not, you know, super impressive in what the hardware is capable of, but damned if she doesn't enjoy it.
1: Yeah. The the problem is is it's not like they can't do it. It's not like it's hard to get these graphics. Like, like I mean, they're not even at PS4 level. Like they're like they're just a little bit more powerful than the PS3. You're That's right. That's like ten You're years ten years ago. It's really weird, you know.
0: Well, all right, all right. So we'll keep an eye out, and we'll see if there's any new stuff coming out on the video game front. On the comic book front I was reading up on some stuff Now uh, you and I both love Star Wars Even though we don't talk about it here as much as You know some other podcasts.
1: Yeah we never talk about Star Wars
0: Well we talk about it a little <laughs> bit and If only to shit on J.J. Abrams I guess but, Yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> We love you. We love you, JJ. We love you, JJ. But but the interesting thing about Star Wars is that when Disney acquired the you know Star Wars franchise along with Marvel, they established that the previous books and comic book iterations were no longer canon. So there were a lot of fans that were really upset because they had spent their lives memorizing these novelizations in these comic books because at the time they were canon and now... Marvel and Disney are telling you, no, 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 those things aren't, that didn't happen. Here's the real story. So funny story that I I found that I thought was pretty interesting, and I think it's a setup for the future is, so in the original Star Wars movies, specifically at the end of Empire Strikes Back, Luke Skywalker, uh, spoilers for a 35 year old movie, (laughs) but, um, Luke Skywalker finds out that Darth Vader is his father and gets his hand cut off and subsequently loses the lightsaber the hand was holding in the hand. He gets rescued by the millennium Falcon. And then we move on into return of the Jedi after that. So the question people always ask is what happened to the lightsaber or even better, what happened to his hand? So Mm -hmm. uh, we we find out in the later movies that uh, Maz Katana has the lightsaber, although we don't know why. They tease that we would find out, but they literally cliched it with, that's a story for another time. They actually use the line, that's a story for another time. Which, no, it's not. That's a story for now. How'd you get it? But (laughs) funny enough, she had the lightsaber, but she didn't have Luke's hand. Now, in the previous Legends novelizations... They established that Luke Skywalker's hand was used to make an evil clone of Luke Skywalker spelled Uh. L-U-U-K-E, which is not the most creative thing in the world. And all of that is since retconned and, and has been wiped away. But in one of the most recent Darth Vader comics, specifically Darth Vader number 11 as released by Marvel Comics, we see Darth Vader travel to Exegol, which uh, is the Sith homeworld, and he's going through Emperor Palpatine's lab, and there is Luke's hand in a jar being used for genetic experiments. And so I have a thought on this. I think that they are going to retcon Rey as being at least part Luke Skywalker. And I'll tell you why. Because... We know that Ray's dad is a failed clone of Emperor Palpatine. Now, Emperor Palpatine looks very different than Ray's dad. So we have to assume that there's some other genetic material in there since it's not a direct one-to-one clone. So then we ask ourselves, if Emperor Palpatine had Luke Skywalker's hand, the hand of maybe the most powerful force user in the galaxy, whose DNA is he going to use to splice in with his clone? he's going to use Skywalker DNA. I think it goes without saying it's going to be Luke Skywalker's hand that contributes the DNA. Therefore we can speculate that Ray is at least part Skywalker. I'm calling it now. Do we care? (laughs) Well, well, I mean, It's all fiction, (laughs) but (laughs) but we care. I don't know. What do we? Why do we care about anything, Arthur? Jesus, this got deep. God, I'm just saying that a lot of people took umbrage with the fact that uh, Rey is ultimately revealed to be a descendant of Emperor Palpatine. So if you look at Emperor Palpatine's plan, which is get rid of all of the Skywalkers and all the other Force users, and be the sole. Jedi or Sith or whatever force using power in the universe. I mean, here is his descendant wiping out the last force using Skywalker and then literally taking his name. So he won. Emperor Palpatine wins. And so here we have a Palpatine going around calling herself a Skywalker. And I think that upsets some fans. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the comic adaptation down the line, we find out that Rey is, in fact, an actual Skywalker, and that becomes canon. I don't think we're going to see Rey in any future movies. I think they're, they've said they're done with that, and, and I largely believe them. But I think that the comic book is going to continue to tread that ground a little bit. <clears throat> Do we... All right. You don't care. Fine. Moving on then. <laughs> I thought it was a fun little tidbit. This is the tidbit section of, of of our show, and I thought that was a fun little tidbit. But so, yes, uh, Luke Skywalker's it's, 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 it's hand just, sitting in such, a bat on Exegol.
1: Come on, man. It's just such an overly <laughs> truncated, convoluted th- s- storyline, which which ultimately doesn't really mean a lot. Like, what, what does it mean? It's like, like they're they're jumping all of these damn hoops, just to to verify that
0: yes, she is actually a Skywalker. Uh, well, they haven't done that yet. I'm just saying that's where versus it's going. just stealing Skywalker's name at the end of the movie. <laughs> She's actually a Skywalker. <laughs> I'm telling you, I just see the dominoes being set up in advance, and I'm pretty sure they fall down that way. But we'll find out. Something that we definitely care about, at least I definitely care about, is one of my favorite TV shows, Rick and Morty, is having its season five premiere this Sunday. All right. Uh, June 20th. And I'm super excited because I love Rick and Morty and I hated season four. I really, I'm not ashamed to say that. I think there are like four watchable episodes that whole season.
1: Yeah, I think I heard a lot of people weren't happy about that.
0: Which is funny because... It begs the question, what was so different about season four compared to seasons one through three? And for me, I really feel like that season four treads water. Mm-hmm. Season four doesn't advance the character arcs at all. And it really feels like somebody had a, a joke, and then that joke became the whole episode. If we look at some of the episodes, you have the uh, the Taiwatiti episode where they developed the dating app. And it's just that same dating app gag played over and over and over again, the whole episode. The Dungeons and Dragons episode with the SNM quote unquote slut dragons. <laughs> slut dragons is funny. <laughs> you know? Slut dragons. That's that's funny. But that's not a 30-minute episode funny. Yeah. It's not. It's just not. And so that episode falls apart for me. The the heist episode, that is five minutes worth of content played on loop for 30 minutes. So I feel like they didn't want to push the story forward because the more you advance these characters, the more you need a place for them to go. So you have to explain a whole lot. Most cartoons get away from that by having the one-off episodes. The Simpsons is a great example of that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, decades and they're still the same age and they're still more or less the same character. We went through eras where the characters' personalities seem to change, but largely they've remained the same. That's impossible in Rick and Morty. We're at a place now where every single character is emotionally and, you know, developmentally in a different place. And so what you do is you do these one-off adventures that don't have any real consequence and so you don't have to advance the narrative and it lets you tread some water. But I feel like there's a real big difference between not having any consequence and, and just being dumb. I don't mean to be that hypercritical. Here I am apologizing on Tales to Admonish for being hypercritical because I love Rick and Morty so much. I got all the merch. I got t-shirts. I got a Pickle Rick Christmas sweater. I love this shit. But season four was just rough. So I'm hoping that season five goes back to its roots a little bit, you okay. know, and starts advancing the story some more and not being afraid to embrace some of the consequences, knowing full well that you're just going to have to write your way out of it later. Now, what's your feeling on the show?
1: Well, like, I mean, uh, I, I've only seen a couple episodes. I know like I know like what um, like, an impact it's had, like on sci fi and stuff. Uh, I think it's hilarious, you know, you, I, I I, just I couldn't get with the initial season because like Rick's Rick's voice got on my nerves. It just was really irksome. Mm. All the burping and uh, it just was just too irksome for me. And
0: I will you know, I, I will let you know they they calm down on the burping thing because the season one, the burping is it's every other line. And yeah. they finally start to like phase that down to reasonable levels by seasons two and
1: three. I mean, that's good to hear. I mean, because like I mean, it's not like I didn't laugh, you know. Some, <laughs> some, sometimes when things are too dense too, like it's just like it's just a little bit too much as well. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I'll definitely, you know, what else am I doing? Like, I, 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 was, I was thinking about getting to that show.
0: Well, you should. You should. It's it's so funny. Season three is fantastic. And, you know, season four, you watch it once through just to watch it. But you were on a Justin Roiland show and you yeah. still haven't watched this show. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and what's funny is Solar Opposites came up with a real novel way to avoid this problem. It's almost like they knew before they made Solar Opposites that this was going to be a problem. So when you watch that show, the A plot means nothing. They're all one-offs and there are no consequences. And at the end of the episode, everything goes back to normal. Mm. But then the B plot with all the characters quote unquote in the wall. And if you've never seen Solar Opposites, you can have no idea what we're talking about. Go watch it, but you'll see what we mean. But yeah, the characters that are in the wall, they get the storyline. Yeah. So you it's get really to have funny. the best of both worlds on Solar Opposites where they don't have the Rick and Morty problem. Mm-hmm. The Rick and Morty problem is that the A plot and the B plot utilize the same characters. So those characters always grow. And, you know, season four, Morty is unrecognizable from season one. Morty. <laughs> so summer, we got two Beths running around. I mean, it's, it's a completely different show now. And I think that that leads to some problems, but it could also lead to some real possibilities. So I'm stoked for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you hear that Peter Jackson's putting together a Beatles uh, documentary?
0: Yeah, I'd heard a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, he's like he's been spending a a bunch of years completely uh, revitalizing this footage. I mean, it looks pretty incredible. Um, I had no idea he was working on it. It seems like a perfect pandemic project for him.
0: (laughs) Well, it (laughs) seems like a weird pandemic project. I don't see how that ties into his body of work, but maybe that's what makes it cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, Edgar Wright, he also has a documentary about the Sparks
0: Brothers. I don't know who they are.
1: Yeah, there's, there's, they're, they're this uh, apparently like really underground, um, just completely be, before their time innovative rock group that was like making sounds that, you know, people would uh, would do like 10 years later all the time. So it's, huh. it's a pretty interesting uh, looking documentary. Plus, all every, everything Edgar Wright
0: does? Just making sounds. Feels like Trout Mask Replica or something. Who, who's that? <laughs> That's uh, Captain Beefheart. Oh, it's a really yeah. weird album made by a bunch of people who were not necessarily musicians, but it's mm. it's more of an art project than it is an album, but it's a very well-regarded album because it's so strange, and it took ages to record, but it's just mostly noises and sounds mixed together to make Be- songs. Beef, and
1: it's Beefheart and it's Heart was Zappa, right? Very,
0: very strange. He was friends with Zappa, Captain Beefheart, yep.
1: Oh yeah, he was his and contemporary,
0: that's right. So, yeah, so and Zappa did a lot of that sort of stuff, too. Oh, he's
1: so experimental. Oh, man, oh, we, we man. could have a whole episode on Zappa. I love Zappa, man.
0: Well, you know, maybe if he had stuck to the traditional rules of courting and modes and, and key changes and all those things, maybe God wouldn't have given him cancer then. Wow (laughs) You can't fuck with music that hard and still exist I'm sorry You're too strange for this world You don't get to stay around after you play games like that You gotta go to another plane of existence So that's what I'm convinced happened to Zappa
1: Girl, you thought Girl, you thought you had a man But you had a little muffin (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's exactly why you got cancer You're right <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ love, almighty Love Frank Zappa
0: So cool, well, I look forward to a lot of that stuff um, it, Speaking of weird Let's go right into some of the weirdest shit That I heard this week What happened? Starting to trend now on Twitter and Instagram And different places is Hashtag Let the bat eat the cat Right. And we're like, what, what could that possibly mean? (laughs) I can use my imagination. It means it means something very weird. So here's the setup. Uh, Arthur, you're familiar with the new Harley Quinn cartoon. Oh yeah. yeah. Really funny. Really funny. It is, it is a, it is a very clever, very well written R rated DC animation offering titled Harley Quinn. And as we all know, DC does the animation so good.
1: I remember when I first saw it like it was so jarring uh to see them cursing like that and talking about freaking like vaginas and like Joker talking they let about go. venereal disease and all that stuff and it just it just made so much sense it's just like why
0: wouldn't villains be this crass you know yeah it just it just made so much sense and it's so funny And, you know, comics properties always have to play that line between like our products are for children, but our products are also for adults. So where do we draw that line? And I've always felt DC better than Marvel gives adults adult content. So when you watch these DC animated series, you know, there's cursing and there's blood and there's, you know, look at the whole Constantine, you know, series of cartoons. There's there. There's a lot of adult content in it, but I guess DC does have a line in the sand that they do not want to cross. And apparently that line is
1: cunnilingus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So here's the deal. Showrunner Justin Halpern went to DC and was giving them, you know, all of the scripts and the layouts for the different episodes they're planning. And there was a script that included a scene where Batman performs oral sex on Catwoman. Whoa. And DC nixed it. They said, absolutely not, which I totally get in most contexts, but you've already established that you're really going to let this cartoon push the envelope, but this is the line. So Justin Halpern understandably said, well, what's, what's the problem? Why is this the line? And apparently an unknown or unnamed executive from DC said, you absolutely cannot do that. Heroes don't do that. What? I know heroes are selfish lovers. Apparently, that's that's DC's perspective. But here was the best part. Here was the best part. Wait for it. We sell consumer toys for heroes, and it's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going to go down on someone. Oh my
1: god!
0: <laughs> yeah, but he can he can main
1: he can maim, kill, break people's necks, destroy people's lives, put kids in danger.
0: <laughs> oh man! But I just—I want to know who that customer is who's at Target holding on to a Batman action figure, going, "Oh, this is a sweet action figure." But I heard that he went down on a lady once. Ah, ah back on the shelf for you. <laughs> back on the shelf. I was totally gonna buy that sweet ass action figure, but
1: now I'm I can't. Sure you can find a huge subsection of people that
0: are just like that <laughs> <laughs> in this time that we're living in right now.
1: Oh my God. But
0: like the argument being that this is going to affect toy sales, but that's the argument. Not that you think it's a bridge too far on sexual content. Not that, Hey, we're letting you do our rated content, but this borders on X rated content. No, no. The argument is we'd let him eat the pussy, but it's going to hurt toy sales. (laughs) Fuck. I obviously do not have my, my finger on the pulse of the average consumer if these are the thoughts they have when making their entertainment purchases. <laughs> mm. So now, of course, now, of course, there is this online change.org petition to quote unquote let the bat eat the cat. Perfect. And Zack Snyder wasted no time jumping in on it. Oh, what'd he do? Oh, he posted <laughs> a very lurid picture of Batman. Doing the thing that he he be doing on Catwoman, like just oh, right yeah. to Instagram. Batman going to town on Catwoman. I don't know who oh, made yeah. the image or who drew it or where he got it, but he just posted it with something like hashtag canon.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, we we saw all the sex scenes in Watchmen. Oh know? yeah, <laughs> you know, so like whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really weird. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, if you're a loyal podcast listener and you're on the fence about buying a Batman toy because you heard he might have, uh, you know, he might have ate the cat one time or another, buy the toy. It's okay. It's okay. No one's going to judge you. You can even buy a Catwoman toy and make them do that at home if that's what does it for you. I think they're underestimating that segment of the population. I think you sell more toys (laughs) <laughs> execs always arguing that people don't buy the female characters when you make the superhero toys of them. I bet they start buying them now. <laughs> we are so weird.
1: It's just it's it's just so it's so America's so weird about sex and stuff. You know, you know, like in other countries, it's just like, yeah, it's uh that's a natural thing, you know? And I mean, it's just like but with with the implications, like you're okay with everything else that Batman does. But like it that the, the book the book stops here. <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. That's America's puritanical root. You can show murder, death, and dismemberment on untold scale, but God forbid you get a titty slip. You're done. That's sorry, you gotta cut that out. We're not showing that that's bad for kids. <laughs>
1: we already know that Batman has been a lady ladies man for years. Like he's like, he's not like he's like asexual or something. So why is that hard to this? This is really weird. Batman. Moving on. I'm just going to say Batman
0: (laughs) is the world's greatest detective. So if anyone can find the clitoris, it's Bruce Wayne. Fair. That's it. That's all I got. That's my hot take on Batman. The private dick right there. You know. (laughs) That's right. The world's greatest (laughs) private dick. So, <laughs> Let the bat eat the cat. <laughs> All right, moving on, moving on. Uh, yeah. So of course the big the big topic of the day. Now, um I, you also said said to me earlier that you want to talk about some recommendations. Do we want to do those at the end and talk about Loki now, or do we wanna talk about some films that we did? We'll think-
1: do those at the end. We'll Sweet. Do those at All the right.
0: End. So uh, I'm ready to get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, which most people will expect is gonna be Season one, episode two of Loki. What'd you think? Loki, Loki. <laughs>
1: uh, it's amazing. I'm having such a great time with this show. Like, I mean, so it's like there. It's Marvel's first exploration of a villain besides Thanos. Yeah. And as as we as we see with uh, Marvel, they they usually do a pretty good job with Thanos. Like in the second half, it wasn't the the greatest during the first half of Marvel's uh, saga. But during the second half, they've been really creating, crafting some really interesting villains uh, here and there, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, but this is the first time we have the show where you really get to lean into just the villain, and I'm loving all the conversations that Mobius M. Mobius has with, with, uh, with Loki, and like, I mean, you you find Loki having like a, a existential crisis by you know having to examine himself. Having to see that everything that he lived for planned for might be meaningless and then have to has to deal with these other versions of him that uh this that this uh powerful society is all like all too consumed with, yeah yeah, you know it's just really really interesting this these conversations that they have you know um Yeah, that's what I've really uh, been digging for the series so far.
0: Well, that and that's the benefit of a TV series versus a movie is that a lot of times we have this dichotomy in quality between TV and movies because TV is seen as being a lot faster and a little bit more expendable. You know, guys like Tom Hiddleston or major movie actors usually don't come back and do the TV adaptations. We're never going to see Superman in a movie also be Mm -hmm. Superman in a television show. But Marvel hasn't hesitated to pony up the money and the talent to bring those people back to the TV universe. So the big benefit that TV always has over a movie is time. You've got so much more time to pull the taffy and flesh these characters out that we are getting conversation and we do get a lot of dialogue driven scenes and especially in a series like this where a you're trying to make the characters understandable for those who may not have seen all of the movies and b you got time travel and anytime you introduce time travel you're gonna need a lot of exposition to set the rules and we literally get that scene in this episode where Loki is sitting at an old timey computer terminal, studying up on the rules <laughs> of time travel with Miss Minutes, who is again yeah. completely delightful. Yeah, and alive uh, apparently. Well,
1: she's a little bit of both, as she said. Like she's little, a little bit yes. of a program and a little bit of alive. Yeah, I, that character is definitely gonna play big time into this show. What I really appreciate, what I've really just appreciated about Marvel period, is that. This isn't like Warner Brothers Studios, where it's just a bunch of like uh, like a cycle of, of uh, execs that are basically gambling with the IP that they have. This is Marvel Studios, where they have access and, and a, a complete working knowledge of the histories of the characters. There's so much, like there's so much that they pack in every scene, whether it's a Easter egg or a reference or an aside that a character says that references a whole swath of Marvel history. It, it's just, like, fantastic. And, and the way they're doing these things, the way they're unloading these characters. I remember we were having kind of a, a gentleman's bet about uh, Jonathan Majors as Kang. Mm. And, I mean, it's it's completely pointing to that more and more, bro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, see I know now after watching episode two I'm like changing my theory Where my new theory now And that's what's great is every episode I promise you I'm having a theory <laughs> and I'll be wrong every time But that's the fun of it But my new theory now Is that there is only Kang That Kang has wiped out the other two timekeepers yeah. And that the reason we never see The Wizard of Oz behind the door Is because we're going to find out It's one dude pulling all mm-hmm. the strings Because there is a lot more going on with the TBA than we are being led to understand. And then you have Ravana as this sort of gatekeeper between the lower level workers and the upper level management of the actual timekeepers. You hear that Mobius has all of these, Oh, this is what the timekeepers are doing and this is where they're from. He has all this information but he's never actually verified it himself. And so that leads me to believe that it's going to be. He awesome.
1: gets into that a little bit about like faith, like what he just what he yeah. just believes, you know, and, and the comfort of that and the simplicity of there being this one uh, time zone that we'll all peacefully will meet at at the end.
0: Yeah, it's sort of a rapture. Like yeah. we will all meet and party at the end of time once the work is complete. Yeah. it's very religious and it's tone. oh yeah.
1: It's like I love. I'm telling you, man. These conversations that that, that Loki and him have. Uh, oh, but it's different. How is it different?
0: Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, how how is it different that you're a. Uh, you know, you're a half-lupine space god, son of Odin, but secretly a frost giant from another realm called Jodaheim. I fail to see how that's different than what I'm saying. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, oh,
1: but it's very different. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they get their time together and they they pull the taffy on the theories of what is reality, what's real anyway. And that's good fun. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, so... Uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, analytical takes on this show and, and, oh my God, all the stuff that they're setting up. Um, um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, we didn't really say spoilers. Uh, I don't think we... I think. We oh, did. no,
0: I gave spoilers during the intro. I said at the very end of the intro, <laughs> we're spoiling the shit out of Loki. Y'all been warned. But here's extra warning. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers <laughs> from this point forward.
1: All right, so um, after Loki uh, kind of... The other thing that I've been lacking is that they're showing the depth of Loki's intelligence, you know, and how he's able to figure out things like how he knows how to use his magic, his understanding of practical science. Like, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's it you really you're really getting into the mind of Loki. So but because he's Loki and he's looking at um. Uh, all of these places that uh, were these uh, apocalyptic events, he find he finds out um, that, that, that there's like this like a zero percentage of this energy that's there, and that that's how he's able to triangulate where this uh, other Loki variant is going to be at. So,
0: yeah, that was super clever.
1: Yeah, so because of that, they figured out this this hurricane place, and uh, and Marvel gets to make their commentary about
0: our future.
1: Which is super scary yeah.
0: as fuck. <laughs> all of the apocalypses that they list are all climate change apocalypses. Yeah. And then they say, Well, we have to look up apocalypses that have occurred between like a four year span and they got a stack of files, you know, two feet tall. Which oh, is they're saying like this is this is how many you can come to expect. Yeah. Yeah
1: and uh like, like so we have this Roxxon, you know, like that's one of the corporations mm-hmm. in Marvel, but they have they and uh, so they started uh, their own yeah, Walmart they, clone. Walmart, Amazon, um, Amazon sort of thing. Um, you know, this is two thousand two thousand fifty, 2050 and um this guy's there for a hurricane special. <laughs>
0: yep, yep. They, it's a hurricane sale. Don't you guys have these where you're from? Oh like, my what?
1: God,
0: <laughs> they're so frequent. These climate change problems are so frequent. They marketed Jesus. them. Jesus, like, is that that that's gonna one of the die.
1: scariest fucking like like just the, the subtlety of that. Oh, it's a hurricane special. Ah! Oh, Lord.
0: <laughs> hey, look, I mean, we can normalize just like Zack Snyder's army of the dead. Like there is no catastrophe. We can't normalize.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, so now we have Loki meeting this other variant who, um, you know, I, I did a little digging through the, the other things. I don't know if you saw, but uh, did you saw that this character is uh, actually probably Sylphie?
0: Yes, Sylvie is the name of a character in Marvel Comics called the Enchantress. She's actually the second character to carry that iteration of the name. The original Enchantress was an Asgardian uh, god that basically loved Thor, but she was a bad guy, so Thor's not going to get with her. So she basically would use her Enchantress powers to constantly try to enchant thor into being her partner and her lover and then of course in basically every storyline thor breaks the enchantment and then is i'll never love you because you're evil mm-hmm. and so that was the original enchantress's role and then she dies the enchantress dies during ragnarok in the marvel comics following ragnarok uh, in the comics the remaining Asgardian population are relocated to Oklahoma. In the movies, they just made it Norway, but it's the yeah. same exact idea. I remember that. So they relocate to Oklahoma, and then Loki basically, just to screw with her, gives an, uh, an, a teenager near godlike powers that are similar to his own, her name being Sylvie Lushton, and she takes on the mantle mm. of the Enchantress.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm that was like a that storyline was like 10 years ago.
0: Fun fact in the comics, Sylvie Lushton is a young Avenger. So even more young Avenger tie-ins from Marvel.
1: Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Tasty, right? Tasty.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that storyline from like 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, uh, I mean it's just really interesting. Um, like, I mean, where is the show gonna go from here? You know, Loki Loki makes that choice to to leave the TVA, and of mm-hmm. course they're going to... Jumps through the portal. Yeah, of course they're going to mix up again, but it just makes you think about all the other interesting stuff you saw in the initial trailers for this show, like all the different, you know, we're basically going to be seeing a bunch of different um, realities mm-hmm. uh, at this point, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how the, the whole thing comes together, like... I mean I'm, I'm here I'm hearing now that there's only 6 episodes I'm like please no please let there be 8
0: Well that's exactly I heard there were 6 as well and I'm glad that they've given us the big event in episode 2 where she sends all of the time charges that she's acquired back onto the main timeline Mm -hmm. and just wrecks the the main Marvel continuity timeline by Mm -hmm. bombing it, which is hysterical because they told you she was going to do it in episode one when Owen Wilson gets his hand on a pack of kablooey gum. (laughs) She did not give that child a pack of kablooey gum by accident. Mm -hmm. She meant for the TVA to find that and to find her she she wanted to be found at that rocksmart walmart clone she lured them there i yeah. fully believe that's all everything is a trap nothing is accidental and she is four steps ahead of everyone else
1: oh yeah i mean she could i guess know the future i guess maybe yeah, if well, if she if, certainly she, if, knows. if if she's like being helped maybe by by king or, or a variant of Kang?
0: Maybe. Maybe she's being helped by Kang. Or maybe she is from a timeline that the, the timekeepers determined to be in need of pruning. And mm. was like, fuck you. You ain't pruning off my timeline. I'm pruning mm. off yours. Mm. Who the hell are you to wipe me out? Because I think that what she's done is she has bombed every a uh, significant site in the Marvel universe. When they run through that list of oh, yeah. places and times that she's attacked, it's Vormir, the home of the soul stone. Mm-hmm. It's Asgard. It's the Jotunheim. Mm-hmm. It's Hala, which means she's now launched an attack on the Kree. Or nowhere she's launched an attack on no- nowhere. nowhere. Um, Nova. Uh, ego, the living planet, is mm-hmm. attack. And even Thanos' home world of Titan isn't spared. Not to mention countless other tar- targets that they listed in, you know, on, on Earth. So she, I think, is trying to create a catastrophe so big that it stretches the TVA's resources to respond, which could then make the TVA itself vulnerable. Because I think she's on her way to go wreck shit at the TVA proper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm super stoked to see where that's going to go. I, yeah, I, I love it. Wait. but I can't wait. One other fun little thing, and I'm not sure if I'm taking too many hops on this, is that the Ren Faire that they go to is April 12th, 1985, right? <laughs> April 12th, 1985 was the debut of the movie Return of the Living Dead. Mm. And Enchantress is the main villain of the Marvel Zombies versus the Evil Dead comic book line so I think that where she gets turned into a zombie and I think that that is just a fun little like hop skip and a jump kind of nod I don't know if they meant for that to be the case but one of her largest stories where she got the most to do was Marvel Zombies versus the Evil Dead which you know I love any crossover with the Evil Dead but April 12th
1: 85 we know that Marvel Zombies are coming in on an animated series so I didn't know that what are you talking about yeah, like the. You, you, they have an animated series, the What If series.
0: Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. They're going to do zombies on What If?
1: Oh, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, because they're, they're oh. doing. They're, yeah, look, watch the trailer. Yeah. Okay. Like, one of the inter- most interesting things, too, is like they make Chala Star Lord. Like, instead of uh, Peter Quill, they pick up Chala when he's a little kid.
0: Well, some people thought that episode one had a what if crossover when there's a character that looks like Peggy Carter being brought through the background of one of the scenes, which would make perfect sense because one of the first what if episodes is going to be what if Peggy Carter was Captain America and by virtue of that fact, Captain Britain.
1: Yeah, they definitely did that on purpose.
0: Oh, yeah. They're going to tie it all together because that's what they do.
1: Yeah. You remember that that scroll in the jumper suit?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. What is a
1: scroll doing working there? <laughs> oh my God! I th- that's what I love. All this the really slight background stuff that they're doing—they're—they're they're telling such a huge story with subtlety.
0: You know, it's so—it's so, ma- so, it's so masterful, so masterful. It really man. is. And it doesn't matter where you come into it. There's something for you. If you only know the movies, there's going to be something for you there. If you know the comics on a, you know, just a a, a fan level, there's something for you there. And if you deep dive the comics, like I tend to do, there's even more. So at every level of fandom, they're servicing you.
1: Uh, my 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 only issue with the show, and and I love this actress, but I feel like she's such a lightweight in this in this series. Gugu and ra really? Yeah, like. I guess she just—I don't know. It just when she does her scenes, it, she just seems like she's just there. I don't feel the strength well, of the time authority. Yeah, it's tough because she's you know? playing it so straight. And then there's this idea that she's tied to Kang. You know, they—they—they—the way they frame her underneath Kang a, a a lot of times, like Jonathan Major's character. You know, mm-hmm. we know something else is going to be coming with them. I mean, um, this man, it just like. They they keep teasing this character so without even saying who he is. You see him in the animation. You see, like, they sh- keep framing him up in all these shots. They have these close-ups of this set statue's face, you know?
0: And Jonathan Majors is just mum on the whole thing. He won't even talk yeah, about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, dude, he's, this character is going to be fucking serious, bro.
0: Well, it's the new Thanos. Yeah. It's the new. It, this is our big bad for the next few years, and and I think he's going to be great. And I'm looking Man, forward
1: to amazing
0: finding out what the hell happens in the bombed out timeline, and to see if Loki chased after Sylvie to join her or to counter her. Because I think Loki's just an opportunist. I think he'll just do whatever's best. I think he's just curious. You know, I mean, he
1: he yeah, he yeah. he he let them know how, what he thinks about the TVA right from the beginning. You know it's abs- it's mm-hmm. upset true, <laughs> you know, true. and true. um, yeah, I mean, and you saw you saw like the the huge boner that he had at Pompeii <laughs> and as he as he Jesus. was testing out causality, you know,
0: yeah, yeah yeah, oh my yeah. God, the show is so uh, good. there's so much in it so. <laughs> we're looking forward. we're looking forward to episode three. we we count the days to Wednesdays. Marvel is going to release now with this working so well, they said they're going to release all their TV shows from this point forward on Wednesdays. Of course, they reserve the right to change their mind. I, I love it. I love it. It feels like such a slog waiting for Friday. But Marvel is making Wednesday magical.
1: Yeah, it feels like such yeah. a slog waiting for every Friday. And, and it's weird because it's a weird um, process of time because it's the same exact time to wait for the show. <laughs>
0: But somehow Wednesday feels like, yeah, we're getting it sooner. (laughs) Well, because I'm excited. You know, everybody's excited for Friday anyway. Who's excited for Wednesday? Nobody's excited for Wednesday. Now we're excited for fucking Wednesday. You can face the rest of your week after some of that tasty Loki action on Wednesday night. Uh,
1: Tasty Loki.
0: (laughs) All right. um, Well, all right, man. so for next week, uh, we should probably assign a little homework, some fun stuff that we should be watching. You got you got anything I should be watching? We need to watch Sweet Tooth. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So those are listening realize that in the previous episode, we talked a bit about Sweet Tooth, but it's been a busy week. So unfortunately, I haven't, and I don't believe Arthur's had any chance to get around to it yet, but we're going to watch it, and we'll tell you what we think. Uh, anything else? I've been
1: watching Mob Psycho 100. It's a really great anime that came, came out a couple of years ago. It's by the people that make One Punch Man.
0: Oh, that's all you got (laughs) to say. (laughs) 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 You put the echo on that, please. Thank you. (laughs) uh, Yeah,
1: so, yeah, that's a great show. It's a super psychedelic animation. Super funny. It's on HBO uh, Max right now. Say it one more time for me nice and slow. What's it called again? Mob Psycho 100.
0: Mob Psycho 100. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so good. That is awesome. Oh, also
1: we got we have big ups to Mark Bernard and his his graphic novels up, and he, um I think his um his uh his the the money his money grab has closed up. The
0: Splinter Kit started. Yeah, yep, yeah, Is closed up now, well over two hundred thousand. Oh yeah,
1: for a short, for a fucking short. You know,
0: oh, I can't wait to see what he makes with that money now that he's got tons to play with. Oh, yeah. Uh, my recommendation for this week, for you or for anyone, really for everyone who has a pulse, is to go see the movie Psycho Goreman. It is a film directed by Stephen Kostansky, and he's the maker of The Void, Father's Day, and he also did the Leprechaun reboot, Leprechaun Returns, which... Look, without Warwick Davis, I wasn't a huge fan of Leprechaun Returns, but they did bring back Mark Holton as the original Ozzy, so that's good fun. But anyway, <laughs> not talking about Leprechaun today, as much as I love Leprechaun. I'm talking about Psycho Gorman. And the premise of it is, is that a galactic planet-conquering monster is trapped on Earth, and whoever possesses the gem that controls his power controls him, and he must obey. Sort of like uh, Wishmaster. Uh, And anyway, the gem comes into the possession of an especially mean-spirited 11-year-old girl named Nita Josihana playing the role of Mimi. Mm -mm. And this is her first role outside of commercials. She's done some commercials, but this is her first role. And this kid is a star in the making. Oh, great. She is the perfect shitty little antagonistic sister. She is so good in the role. And she makes this galactic space god have tea parties with her. She turns a bully into this weird brain tentacle monster, Uh-oh. and she basically controls him, and she names him Psycho Gorman. <laughs> and this thing is wall-to-wall rubber monsters and goop, and so now this galactic force that is like the peacekeeping force of the universe, who might not be as good as they present themselves, they have detected the energy of Psycho Gorman being awakened. And so she and her army of space mercenaries travels to Earth to successfully kill this alien conqueror before he can reclaim the gem and have control of his own powers. And it is wall-to-wall batshit insanity. It's so genuinely funny and so unique and perfect for what it is. It's exactly the kind of horror comedy content that I fucking love. Sick. So watch that shit. You can find it on Shudder, uh AMC streaming services or you can rent it on Amazon for like 4 bucks. Mm-hmm. But it is worth it is worth every bit of 16 quarters. That's all it's going to cost you to watch this movie. 16 quarters. Don't do laundry this week. Watch Psycho <laughs> <laughs> Good recommendations. There it is. So, yeah, if you don't watch Psycho Gorman and all you want to do is sit around and listen to our podcast and find out more about us, where are they going to find out more about you, Arthur? You
1: can find out more about me on www.ArthurRomeo.live. That's my website. You can also check out my YouTube channel and my Instagram channel all by the name of Draw Really Awesome Wow. And now, guess where they can find um, some more episodes of our podcast, Tommy? Where? on YouTube baby. Woo-hoo.
0: Well, it's almost on YouTube. I'm still working out some of the uh the kinks of getting the stream pushed up there, but in the next couple of days, yes, uh, all of our episodes will be on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You can also find our episodes on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like to find out more about me, you can find me on Facebook at Thomas Alton, or you can find me on Instagram at Thomas.Alton, where you can look at some of my graphic design work that I've done for View Askew Productions, or you Sweet. can look at some of my Halloween work that I've amassed over the last decade that's right. in the pumpkin space. Tom the Pumpkin King. So go to my King. Instagram. And uh, like like some of my photos on Instagram because that's my sole source of self-esteem. So, if, uh, you know, if anything happens to me, that's on you. For me <laughs> it's on you, you motherfuckers. It's on you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> oh, Clarence Williams. Oh, man. So, yes, please join us next week we'll be talking more geek news mm-hmm. and all kinds of fun Marvel DC comic book nonsense on Tales to in My Head. <laughs> where apparently I'll be doing the show alone because Arthur's dead now
1: <coughs> oh, oh, oh crap <laughs> Don't you die on me I guess we should leave that in I guess we should leave that in. <laughs>
0: All right, everybody, thanks
1: for coming. All right, bye, guys.